going on, Hogline Nation? Welcome back to the Hogline Podcast. I'm your host, Mitchell Manis, alongside my co-hosts, Jack Manis and Andrew Schreffler. Welcome in, folks. We have concluded the penultimate week of the NFL season, moving to week 18, where there will be a lot of drama, a lot of intrigue. The Steelers got flexed to a standalone game on Saturday. We'll talk about that and the week prior against the Seahawks as well as the Eagles and all of their issues and our picks busy week. Uh, and I feel like every week in the NFL, obviously there's a lot that happens, but this week in particular, the Eagles, the Eagles ran of the week. We said it a month ago that it's returning, return to the form of the original segments, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And my, oh my, over the past month that has just rang true week in and week out. So, if you listen to last week's episode, I, I mentioned that I went to the game. I was there. I was amongst the very rowdy and distressed Eagles fans. So I'll let Shref go, go first about his perspective from watching at home. And then I'll kind of, you know, maybe interject and, and tell you how it was, you know, in person like that. So go ahead, Shref. The Eagles fall to the Cardinals 35-31. After leading twenty-one to six at halftime, walk us through. Yeah, um, my first bullet point just says "ug." Ug. Uh, just not fun, um, and like you kind of saw it coming because like the the first half was an anomaly just in terms of score versus time of possession and all that stuff. I think the Cardinals like tripled them in time of possession in the first half, probably, and probably even more in the second half. Um, but you know, the ball broke their way a couple times. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to start with my overview of this game in particular, and then I'm going to finish with, um, some more just overall feelings. And a lot of these feelings are feelings that I have mentioned many times because it's about one specific person. Um, so, uh, I'm going to start with the defense. Um, it was like so, so, so bad in every aspect, uh, I bookmarked a couple tweets. Let me show those. Let me read those out before I continue on here. Um, Eagles had a defensive success rate of 40.8% against the Cardinals. Um, that's the Eagles' worst uh, number um, regular postseason in 17 years. Um, so, like, literally their worst defensive performance in 17 years. Um, other one, uh, based on success rate, they just the Eagles just that game was the third worst defensive performance by any team in a game this season. Um, they allowed 32 first downs. That's the second most allowed by any team this season. Uh, seven possessions total. They allowed four touchdowns, two field goals, and the one interception. So the Cardinals did not punt. Um, the the Arizona Cardinals. The Arizona Cardinals. Um, it was just bad. Uh, it seems like the they have no. They have no thought, like, or no willingness to, like, change anything. Um, it's been this way the entire season. Uh, this defense is built, like, on the defensive Words line. Being able to... nutrition easier. I'm so sorry. It's okay. <laughs> um, the, the defense is built on being able to get pressure on the quarterback. Um, because of that, uh, I think that's kind of why you see the defensive backs playing off a little bit, like nine, ten yards, because it's a situation where you're expecting 
the defense to get there or the defensive line to get there soon. So you're able to kind of keep everything in front of you, not get beat by something over the top. Um, when the defensive line is not getting through and you have um, a coordinator who is, you know, willing to expose that with quick things, uh, it can be like, like death by a thousand paper cuts. And that's what this entire game was on defense. Um, just like positive play after positive play after positive play. Uh, I think they, like, off the top of my head, they, they might have only been in, like, a couple third-down situations, and all of them were, like, third and short. Like, they they did what the Eagles are supposed to be doing to teams. Um, and it, it's just, it's insane watching it. Uh, the, the switch from Desai to Patricia has done absolutely nothing. If anything, it's gotten worse. Um, just not making any, any changes. DBs are playing eight yards back, so the receivers... And, like, it's Michael Wilson, it was Greg Dortch. Uh, like, these aren't these guys aren't world beaters. So it's, like, it's really frustrating watching the defensive backs just give them, like, eight yards of space to do whatever they please. Whatever they please. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, the defense just isn't, just isn't good, like, at all. Um, there's talent there. And it feels like they just don't have a coaching staff that knows how to utilize their talent whatsoever. Um, and the same can be said on offense, although I was actually overall pretty happy with the offensive performance. Um, I thought Jalen played maybe his most complete game this season. Um, off the top of my head, I, I know he, he missed one throw to Brown like in the third quarter, I want to say, maybe. But outside of that, I, I thought he was on time with a lot of stuff. He didn't. He didn't make any, like crazy throws but he was just in rhythm I thought I felt for most of the game and I I was happy with how he played which made the defensive performance even more upsetting because the it felt like the Eagles were like never on offense even though they scored 31 points um so I was okay with that uh with that being said um the late game play calling and just like situational football is so bad like as bad as it gets and that's kind of going to lead me into my Sirianni conversation, but that obviously falls on him. Uh, I know Brian Johnson's the play caller, but at the end of the day, this is this is Nick Sirianni's team. He's an offensive mind, and it, it falls on him. Um, that, that drive with, what was it, like four minutes left in the game was one of the most embarrassing and just like inept things I've ever witnessed in my entire life. Um, I understand it's first and, and 20. You get, you get backed up with a penalty. Um, but that that string of play calls is is absolutely inexcusable. Uh, you run like that little power draw thing with Hertz that every defense in the league has known is coming this entire season. Gets I think four yards something like that. You're in second and sixteen. That's the spot where I would say you know maybe you want to get the hand the football in AJ Brown's hands. Maybe you want to get it in Devontae Smith's hands. Maybe you want to get it in Dallas Goddard's hands. Um, they decide to go with another little read option play. Um, at most would have gotten you like four yards on a good day, and they sniffed it out. Hertz drops down, loses four, I believe. Uh, then third down, um, you know it's third and twenty. I get it. It's not like it's not like you're gonna. There's a low percent chance of you converting a third and twenty, very low. Um, however, with that being said, I, I go back to the second down play call. Maybe you want to get the ball in AJ Brown's hands. Maybe you want to get it in Devontae Smith's hands. Maybe Dallas Goddard's hands. Um, they run a they run a little bubble screen action to uh, Kenneth Gainwell on third and twenty, and to 
add insult to injury, literally, uh, Devontae Smith gets hurt blocking on the play. Um, I, it was reported today that it's a mild ankle sprain, so luckily nothing crazy happened with it. But, like, not only are you not getting the ball in your playmaker's hands, you're you're getting them hurt because you're blocking for Kenneth Gainwell on a third and 20 screen pass. Um, just, just no sense of the moment. You've watched your defense get dog-walked the entire game, and for some reason you, you think that settling for a field goal... Um, when you're in their territory, first and 20, I understand it's first and 20, like I said, but you're in their territory. Your offense has been clicking most of the game, um, just baffling decision-making just all around. Um, so that'll lead me into the more overall thoughts. Um, and this is going to be directed uh, at Nick Sirianni. Nick, I hope you're, I know he's an avid listener, so I'm, I'm sure he's going to hate to hear these comments, but um, I'm going to make them anyway. Uh, Do it. I'm, I'm doing it. Um, AJ Brown, uh, for two weeks straight has said to the media that I have nothing to say. Um, he added a little extra nugget this week by saying, uh, he made it clear that he was not referring to like being mad at the media or anything like that. He was, he did. So it, it appears that he is referring to maybe, uh, within the team situations. Um, it, to me, it feels like a clear sign ever, like you can see it on the field and it seems like it's bleeding into the locker room. Uh, it doesn't seem like AJ Brown has any respect for Nick Sirianni. Um, and I would be surprised if that is not a feeling that is shared by maybe a decent amount of guys in that locker room. Um, he, I've said it a million times when they're winning games and they're doing it and they're making it look pretty. He's a great hype man. Uh, he get, he keeps the energy high, but he never struck me as a guy that would be able to keep things calm when things are going bad Things are going really bad, uh, mostly in part because of his decision-making uh, throughout the course of the game and just being outcoached in most of these games. Um, but it also feels like he just has no... He has no, like, switch in him that can go into, like, a, you know, damage control. He doesn't have it in him, I don't think, at all. Um, it's been really bad, and I there's been tweets that have been coming out. There's... You know, Josina Anderson's doing the whole like cryptic. Uh, there are changes in the NFC East, but maybe not one you would expect. Um, I don't want to get my hopes up with that because I've said it a million times. I I don't really see a world where he gets fired. Um, with that being said, uh, Jeffrey Lurie and Harry Roseman have always, I would say, sometimes maybe jumped the gun a little too fast with making changes, but nevertheless have always been willing to make changes. Um, they fired Peterson after one losing season, and that was coming off of a Super Bowl and three straight playoff appearances where your starting quarterback uh, didn't play pretty much the entire postseason, like for any of those. Um, so one losing season, he was out of there. Carson Wentz paid him a boatload of money, and as soon as they saw that things were not looking good, they shipped him off as fast as they could. So they, they have a track record of making these kind of big changes um, some for the better, some for the worse, but they're going to do what they they feel is right. And I don't know, man, when when the on-field product is looks what it looks like and the comments that are being made or comments that aren't being made but are being hinted at from players, um, it feels like there's a legitimate issue in the locker room. Um, I'm, like, in a weird... I, I, I hope that it's... Like, I hope this isn't, like, a, like a teammate's like not being on the same page type of thing, because that would be, in my opinion, a little worse. Um, but if there's there's issues and they're spilling out onto the field big time, 
Like this, I don't know. This team is far too talented on paper to be looking like this on the field, and it it all falls back on the head coach at the end of the day. Yeah, that's certainly fair. I mean, if the Eagles were to fire Sirianni, which I still don't think they will, it, it's not going to come now. It would come at the end of the year, I would think, right after the season. And I guess we'll come back to that in a second, but just quick words in the game itself. Um, first of all, it was cool to see Kyler Murray play in person, someone that I've been a big fan of for a while. So he's fun. It, it was really cool. He's very fast, um, but he, he still he still looks like I, I. Someone said this. They said he looks like a, a a toddler that stole some candy when he runs, <laughs> and he does. Yeah. Um, but he is he's he's still he still got it. Um, I guess people maybe were not writing him off, but like not really considering him very much this season just because of mm-hmm. the injury of last season. But he's right there up there with how he was like you know, before the injury in my eyes, like he looked really good. And before the game, I'm like, wow, they got no Marquise Brown. Like who is going to be like, you go down the list here, Greg Dorch, seven catches, 82 yards on seven targets. So he didn't drop one. Like Greg Dorch, literally he was making plays all over the field. He looked like Antonio Brown out there. (laughs) He did. Trey McBride, Michael Wilson, Elijah Higgins. I don't even know who Elijah Higgins is. Before this game, and and Kyler only inco- like through six incompletions. So like, I, I felt like there were times where maybe the play design was to maybe go deeper, but it's just the slant for seven seven yards was there yeah. every single time. And so he's like, I don't know how to play in the pass lanes either, which is the other issue. Like that's part of it too. Is like the DBs give too much space, and then the linebackers somehow like cannot figure out where they're supposed to be uh and it just it leaves the widest of open receivers right and and also for the offense i know they played pretty well for the most part but if you think about it you scored 31 points one of them was a defensive touchdown which i can't really blame kyler i don't know there was some miscommunication The, the, the guy just ran the wrong route so who knows who's at fault there but that happens. And then also the Eagles got a field goal off of a, like they got, they recovered an onside kick. So they had very good field position. So mm. I don't know. I mean, I'm just looking at, just considering the Cardinals defense. I mean, we played this game at the beginning of the season. We were like, can you guys name anyone on the Cardinals defense? I'm going to go through the list and that still rings true. You're only going to, I'm going to read everyone who had a tackle in this game and you're going to know three people. Okay. Ready? Antonio, ha- Antonio Hamilton. Didn't know who that was before this game. I saw him like, this Hamilton guy? Chris Barnes? He was on the Lions at one point, I think. Starling Thomas the fifth. <laughs> B. Joe Jolari and Buda Baker. So those are okay. those are some names. Roy Lopez. Sure. Is he on the Lopez show? The George Lopez show? I don't know. Everyone Victor Victor Dimakiji? Kevin Strong, Jalen Thompson, Andre Kacheri, Owen Papo, Dennis Gardick, Joey Blunt, Zayvon Collins will be the third one you know, Phil Hoskins, and Dante Stills. Like, that is a... What happened to Kaiser White? 
That's a that's a land of misfits. He might be hurt. I don't know, but um, yeah, it it's it's embarrassing. Like I I do part of it too. Like like I said, like I was ha- I I was pretty happy with Hurts how Hurts played, but like I just can't like they barely had the ball. Like they like, they they got so few chances. That was the other thing I was gonna say is not they, for the there time. Was, there was two, the- I think at the two minute warning in the second in the in the first half they they had only had the ball once. They had one possession. Yeah, what what I was going to say was not the time of possession, but the yards. The Cardinals had 228 passing yards and 221 rushing yards. And the Eagles had 184 passing yards and only 91 on the ground. So it was completely dominated on that front. Yeah. Um, the Cardinals, just, I guess, got a little bit unlucky in the red zone. But in the second half, they definitely figured it out. Um, what else was going to say? And, and not only that, like, just being at the game, I'm not sure if this would be shown on shown on television, but there were multiple times when the Eagles, I think it was on defense, but it was on defense, how they just didn't know what they were doing in terms of the substitutions. Like guys would be like think they're going on and then they'd be coming off like all of a sudden. And it was yeah. really bizarre. Like everything just seemed discombobulated and out of sorts. So yeah, major yeah, issues that it, shouldn't be hap- shouldn't really be happening on a regular basis this like week seventeen. And it, it like it even because I, I remember like in training camp, like they were saying that Sirianni started like showing a little bit more fire on like the fund like on like the basic stuff, like kind of like getting in, getting into guys a little in practices, like for the little stuff. And so you'd like to think that that sort of coaching would lend itself to maybe not making those little mistakes in the game. But that's I mean, that's all they do. Like I'd I'd really have to go back and think through the games and figure out how many games I feel like they got out coached in. It feels like a large majority of them, right? And I heard this on the radio today, and uh, I don't know if you're mentally prepared for this this question, Shreff. But not, but let's hear it. Ha- has it occurred to you that this could have been Jason Kelsey's last game at Lincoln Financial Field? Mm-hmm. Eagles on the road next week. Very slim chance at the division, and. They will most likely probably be a five seed and yeah, probably won't get a home playoff road. game. So, oh, wow. <laughs> um, no, I had not thought about that. That's a, ooh, <laughs> oh man. Yeah, that that's a tough one to swallow. When I heard that, I'm like, oh, that's not good. Because I, I, if I suck, were, like, if I were to bet, I would say that he's not coming back next season. I would say so too. If if I had a crystal ball, like if if he had a crystal ball. At the end of last season, he probably would have hung it up. I don't think he would. I don't think he would. <laughs> oh, I think so too. Yeah, I, I think. That, yeah, um, I would. I'm. I know. I, I think Kelsey's definitely done. I would say. I feel like Cox and Brandon Graham maybe have a year left in them. I feel like they're still playing at a decently high level. Um, Lane is just like he's got to want to retire. <laughs> like he, that man. I I don't know if that man has ever played a football game like fully healthy. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, and I just think back to the Kelsey documentary when Jason Kelsey could barely sit down, I feel like. So he's got to just yeah. – the wear and tear on his body, it just think, has to be piling up. And I think that's yeah. why it's frustrating too is like you want – like they, they have such a good foundation in terms of like the locker room there with those with those four guys that have been there for that long. And like you have the talent. So it's it it's really disappointing that the coaching staff doesn't seem to – be able to get the most out of these guys because I know the defense is not what it was last year. Um, 
but this team clearly is still like talented enough to be like especially in this in the NFL this year. Like the Ravens have obviously been rolling, but right, we even said it last week. Like there hasn't been that many teams that have really like established themselves as like true contenders. Right. So it's like the the opportunity's there, and they're 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 blowing it. Sorry, to, sorry to go off topic, but I don't know if you guys have the the college football playoff game going on. It, it we're recording as the as the Alabama Michigan game is in the third quarter right now, and I want to say when when did Alabama trade for Mason Cole and put him at center because he just had two snaps were at the feet of Jalen Jalen Milrow. So that was that was awful. Anyway, sorry to jump topics there, Jack. Do you have anything to say about the Eagles? Uh. The whole Sirian like firing Sirianni thing, like I'm like Sirianni's biggest hater, um, but and I got I, I I'm loving this downfall, <laughs> but understood. it's yeah, understandable. I, I think it's like it would be very premature to fire him after this season. Like the Eagles are probably going to be twelve and five, assuming they win next week. Can we assume that? 11 and 6, 12 and 5. Like, that's not, those aren't grounds to fire a head coach who had two great seasons prior to that, let him to the Super Bowl the year before. Um, Like, that's just, you keep him and make other changes. And then, I mean, if a similar season or even worse season happens next year, that I think that's means to let him go. But, objectively looking at it like it's just too premature to to fire him in my opinion uh but i mean to your point shref earlier like i sent you uh, a clip from some angry fan on twitter being really mad at that one drive just that is like the quintessential this is a high school offense like you would see a high school offense doing that like Mm -hmm. that that's stupid draw whatever run qb run twice in a row and then a screen pass a side pass to go three and out like that's that's so bad um i guess those are really all of my uh other thoughts the i i i had this feeling a couple weeks ago and i think it's even more true that this really feels like the 2020 steelers your steelers the 2022 vikings there's a lot of teams that come to mind but the steelers were were 11 and 0 like this eagles team was 10 and 1 and then just like you're gonna finish the season twelve and five as the Steelers at twelve and four, but it's gonna feel a lot worse, and you're not gonna feel confident at all going to the playoffs. That's how exactly how oh, I man. felt in 2020. There and then lose to a division rival in a shootout at home. Yeah, there was a time where I was like picking out of the wild card teams, and I was like, I feel confident going against. And I realized as as we approach the end of the season, I don't. I, there's just no. There's no confidence anymore. It's just. We're here. We're just gonna we're gonna roll the dice and see what happens. But um, yeah, with the Sirianni thing too, like I'm, I would I do agree that it would be a little premature. I I think it's more coming from a place of like it clearly seems like there's frustrations and like problems that are boiling over. Like if they were just losing games and um, it all felt like they were on the same page with things, there I I would not be as like much as thinking as much about firing him. But it. It really depends how much of a voice the players have, inter- like with, like Roseman and Lurie, because if if these things are you know 
have some truth to them in terms of there being some rifts in the locker room. Like, I wouldn't think that Roseman and Lurie would want a guy like that, like leading the team, but, you know, the record is the record, so it's hard to argue with at the end of the day. Yes. Uh, we will We will see what happens. They... The Eagles take on the Giants in Week 18 here in uh, at MetLife, so we will see how they finish. Um, in order for the Eagles to win the division, if I'm not mistaken, I believe they need a win and they need the Cowboys to lose the to the Commanders. Yep. So again, not very likely, but that's what they're looking at at this point. Uh, and they will, if that doesn't happen, they will be the fifth seed. And uh, play the winner of the NFC South, whoever that is. So we will see. Moving on to the Steelers. Steelers beat the Seahawks thirty to twenty-three on the road. I was not expecting a, an offensive performance like that. I don't know. I, I don't. Does anyone remember what the pregame total was for this game? Oh, was it, it was it was forty and a half. I think. Okay. Yeah. That 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 was well over at 53. Mason proved me wrong for the second week in a row. Uh, stat line, if anyone doesn't recall, was 18 of 24, 274 passing yards, no touchdowns uh, or interceptions, and had a 70.9 QBR. I, I think the throw to Pickens was probably the most impressive. It was slightly overthrown. Because Pickens kind of had to make a diving catch for it. However, it was pretty much the smallest pocket you could ever have without getting sacked. And he really had nowhere to really step up and throw. So to, to throw about 35, 40 yards downfield in that, that small of a pocket, it, it was very impressive. Um, overall, just played, a, played, a, played the game that he needed to uh, in order for us to win. I'm still skeptical of his long-term prospects. But I'm just going to ride this wave as long as it lasts. And, uh, yeah, just hope hope for the best. I, I think people are still getting a little bit too optimistic. But, again, I mean, sometimes magic happens for consecutive weeks in a row. So let's, let's just see how much magic we got left in the tank. Uh, obviously, we've got to shout out Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. Najee Harris, 27 carries, 122 yards, and two touchdowns. Could have had three, but he slid down at the end to seal the game. So he could have went for the hat trick there, but we were able to knee it out. Jalen Warren, 13 carries, 75 yards on the ground, and a rushing touchdown, and also four catches for 23 yards. Bunch of great pass protection, He that's, which he's done all year. It felt really nice, in my opinion, to just like impose your will on the defense and just. I feel like that's how the Eagles were last year. Like you just knew they were going to run for like 200 yards. It felt like, and there was nothing you could really do to stop it. So I think that's a, a fun brand of football to play. And it kind of just reminds me of like the old traditional Steelers. So that's, that's kind of cool to see. Um, defense looked pretty vulnerable at times I'd say, but they kind of, they came up clutch when they needed to very injured, especially in the middle of the field. I thought the replacement guys did all right. Um, they weren't like spectacular, but Nick Herbig though, I th Jack, did he only? I think he only played two snaps. Is that correct? Oh well, I don't know. I mean, that's about like he only gets like a few snaps a game. I mean, it sounds right. I didn't know it was only two, and 
half, a, the half of them was the most impactful play of the game. Right. Yeah. He he had a huge strip sack. Did he recover it too? Yeah. Yeah. Strip sack and fumble recovery. So he made the most of his limited opportunities. And uh, the defense overall, they settled in at the, at, the, at the close of the game, particularly the second half, just because we were holding them to field goals as, as opposed to touchdowns. So that was the defining factor. Um, but the defense, still some things to clean up, but overall did, I think, all right for you know what was presented to them in the personnel. So the last thing I'll say, then I'll turn it over to Jack, is uh, if anyone's not familiar with Mark Madden, he is a Steelers reporter. If if you have a very liberal use of the word reporter, um, he said that a source told him that Kenny refused to dress if he was going to be the backup. And I'll say this to that report, and I put report in air quotes. Mark Madden has a long history of being a clickbait, narrative-driving hack reporter. And he has as much credibility as if Bernie Madoff was teaching an ethics seminar, in my opinion. I mean, I'll take his word. I'd say take his word with a grain of salt, but I think that'd be disrespecting salt, in my opinion. Take his word. Refuse his word. Don't don't refuse it. Give it back. (laughs) Uh, I'm tired of him. I'm tired of all the morons in the Pittsburgh media who try to divide the team for no reason. And just they're just kind of maliciously making stories when there's no story to be had. So please, I'm not, I, I can't say that without cert. I mean, I would like to believe it's not true. Kenny has been in his two years with the team, has been a good leader. And I, I do find it hard to believe that he would do like that, where he would just wouldn't want to suit up if he was healthy enough to. But I'm so, but at the same time, I, I, I'm not there. I don't know exactly what's true. But if you're going to believe it, don't believe it from this idiot, okay? Wait for multiple credible sources to confirm that. So don't, don't believe this moron. That's all I'll say. Jack, what, what are your thoughts? Him or Tim Boyle, who's worse? Um, <laughs> I'd say Mark Madden because he's doing it on purpose. Tim Boyle just is innately mm-hmm. bad at his job. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, I don't. Tim I don't think he can, so I, much hate. He's probably. I bet he's a good guy. Tim Boyle is just. You know, we don't hate on people for things they can't control. Tim Boyle can't control how bad he is. He was born that way. True. Um, but Mark Madden, he is. He's. Uh, he's aware of what he's doing, and it's wrong. Mm-hmm. So, Jack, go ahead. Uh, you covered it pretty much everything on the game in particular. Um. One more player, Joey Porter Jr. He, uh, mm. I've been following. I mean, we all have closely throughout the season, and he's he's kind of built that resume a little bit. Of I saw a few weeks ago, just like this receiver has not many yards, not many catches against him. This star receiver is is didn't produce again. Like it's like kind of that track record. And he had a uh, DK this Porter week. Island. Yeah, right. Uh, and he um. There were some times where it felt like he DK was getting the best of him. So like I guess I I should have looked into like the PFF like when he was responsible for him because it's always kind of misleading and you just like see a a corner chase after a guy as if it was like his responsibility. Um, DK had a solid game. I think he had just over like about a hundred yards. Um, I thought Joey did fine on him for the most part. 
he didn't really let up anything too consequential, especially at the end on the one of the last drives the Seahawks had trying to get in the end zone. Maybe the last one they had. Um, I think he had, he yeah, had two. That was, that was a real. Yeah, especially I think the one in the corner of the end zone, DJ, DK kind of didn't really position position himself in the correct way, but especially the one at the goal line, that was yeah. a great play by Porter. Yeah, both of them. Uh, yeah, Joey Porter, he he put himself in great position and uh, defended each pass well. Uh, so I I it could have been a maybe misleading performance of how he did. I still thought he did well, and I, I'm I'm very pleased with how he's progressed and done this whole season. Um, so excited for his future, but. I guess that's all I want to say particularly about the game. I just want to talk more about the quarterback situation because it was announced today that uh, Steelers are going to go with Rudolph in Week 18 against uh, the Ravens in a must-win game uh, if we win and the Jags lose or the Bills lose, we are in. Those are the most simple scenarios. We do have like a small chance if we lose, we can still get in, but that's not worth diving down. Eh, well, um, it's not that complicated. And we lose. If we, if we lose, we we need the uh, Titans to beat the Jags and the Broncos to beat the Raiders. That's it. Okay. That's not that crazy, I guess. And the Colts, Texans to not end in a tie. Okay. That's one of those right. games again. Yeah. Well, that's gonna, well, actually, no. It's, that's, that's the Saturday night game, right? What if they stick that in the Sunday, the Sunday night game and then it almost ties again? Well, no, we want the tie this time. Well, well but yeah, also, sorry. If, we, if, we, if, if we, we win, we want the tie. If we lose, we, we don't want the tie. Okay, right. Anyway, again, that wasn't even worth diving into, but we just did. So uh, the quarterback situation, Tom announced today we're going with Rudolph. Um, <laughs> surprise, I don't think it's the right choice. Uh, it's... I have a couple of things listed here that I want to touch on. It's not how you should handle a young quarterback, a first-round quarterback, and let him lose his job because of an injury. Um, just to go through the timeline again, Kenny was hurt. I don't know what number week against the Cardinals. Uh, Mitch comes in, ruins that game. Mitch starts the next game, ruins that game against the Patriots. Mitch starts against the Colts, ruins that game. And then Mason comes in when Kenny was like close to being healthy against the the Bengals uh, two weeks ago. And then we obviously had that offensive explosion. And then Kenny is presumably healthy this week against the Seahawks. And we keep Mason in. Um, and again, we're riding out Mason. Um, I want Kenny to start this week and next week, but because not only I still believe in those in-helmet reps being valuable, um, but the bigger factor here is the whole confidence element of your quarterback. Because now let's say Kenny is our starting quarterback week one of 24, which I still think he is. Uh, he will be. And a lot of other people do. I don't think that's just me hoping he is. Um, as soon as he throws his first interception, there's going to be Mason chance, and it's just going to be like looming. And that's not good and this whole riding the hot hand movement uh is all for the sake of winning these games um last week this week next week uh that probably won't even mean anything because we may not even make the playoffs 
Um, and if I'm being honest, we're probably going to be a first round exit. Like this isn't a Super Bowl team. This isn't even a conference championship team. Um, which again, I think this is the Tom one's first time handling a young quarterback and trying to develop a young quarterback properly, which he just wants to win games and I don't blame him. Um, but it's kind of just kind of like grabbing these immediate results, which along with the fan base too. Cause I mean, I think the fan base for the most part is all in on like, bye Kenny, let's get Mason in there. And like, he's doing well. Like the, the Steelers fan base is like fully in on Mason and like kind of has tossed Kenny to the wayside. Um, but again, it's just all for the winning these couple games right now that are going to be meaningless. And it could come at a cost of, losing a potential franchise quarterback that we spent our first round pick on just last year. So, uh, and again, like I, I, I think Mitchell agrees that, uh, I don't, I know Mitchell agrees that Mason isn't going to be our franchise quarterback. Um, I get, maybe we can go back, circle back on that at the end of my spiel here, but, um, I don't, I, as a Kenny Pickett fan, it it really does suck for Kenny because who's to say that this couldn't have been him having this success? Because post Matt Canada, as I just outlined the the timeline there, Kenny had a great Bengals game when we played at Cincinnati and we broke the 400 yard streak and he's looking good. He looked fine in the first half of the Cardinals game before he got hurt. Then Mitch came in and um and speaking of that first Bengals game, the whole game. Wa- sorry, watching the Seahawks game yesterday. And I was thinking the whole time, like this felt a lot, the QB performance and the offense performance as a whole, this felt eye test wise identical to like how we were in this, how we were in the Bengals game. Like Mitch was doing a lot of the same things Kenny was doing in his first Bengal in the Bengals game. And Mason, you said Mitch. I'm sorry. Yeah. Kenny's Bengals game, Mason this week in Seahawks was the same eye test wise. And then the stat line is almost exactly the same. Kenny was, if I'm remembering correctly, I think he was 24 of 33. So I think that's like 73% completion. The same yard, like 278 to 274. QBR was like off by like four. Pass rating was similar. Uh, no touchdowns, no picks either. Like it was, it was almost the same exact thing. So I really do believe Kenny could have done what Mason did yesterday. Uh, and also like the big throws, like the big throw to the Pickens, like Kenny had one like that later in the game where he threw it deep to Pickens um, and the bigger throws. It was it was a very similar. And o- the only difference, the biggest difference was from the offense's perspective that our run game was even more dominant yesterday, which kind of serves in Mason's be- uh, in benefit. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I guess that's really all I have to say about that. Um, I mean, what Mason did in two weeks ago against the Bengals, where like that offensive explosion happened out of nowhere, like I I'll concede like that was something that we haven't really seen from Kenny. Um, but again, to my point, like why not? He could have done it. He he uh, he could have done it. Who's to say he he was not capable of doing that? Um, so yeah, again, like it, it as my, back to my whole ending point here. Like it really sucks for Kenny. Like he. He kind of lost his job this year because of his injury. Um, and just watching an offense flourish that like it really could be him and like that's would have been great for his development here. Like 
gave us momentum going into next year and improving more with a new coordinator. Uh, oh yeah, and last thing I'll I'll say that I've heard some Pittsburgh media, and this is I won't say his name, but this is someone who was I I feel like isn't as pro Kenny as uh, I would like. He's just I don't think he's like that high on Kenny, but he he still he agrees with me that he he still thinks Kenny's going to be our starter week one next year, and he kind of thinks that this may be better for his development to not play in these last games with this offense that really isn't great and start him next year with a brand new system and that's a better way to handle it i tend to disagree with that but i thought it was an interesting point um so it's uh yeah it's interesting to see what's going to happen here uh i mean yeah i guess the rest of the season but just going into next year like what's going to happen because like mason's a free agent too like i guess i would like to bring him back and be a quarter or back a quarterback um probably a lot more expensive but we'll cut mitch we should mason bqe too unless another team wants to offer him a lot more money but um i'm kind of rambling on for here so mitchell and straff i also want to hear your opinion too just on the qb situation as a whole or what i just said talked about you know i would i would lean towards you because the thing i'm thinking about too is like let's say the steelers do actually like make the playoffs the this year like get their way in all of a sudden, like if if you don't start Kenny, then like I don't really know what that says at that point. Because like you'd think you'd want him to get the playoff experience. Then like so, let's say let's just go hypothetical. Let's say the Steelers like pull off just a crazy upset in the like let's say Rudolph starts and they pull off like a crazy upset in the in the wild card round, and all of a sudden you've Mason Rudolph starting two playoff games while while Pickett's on the bench. Right. Then what happens? Because that like it, it just. It feels like this is creating problems. And also, like, let's say Mason, we win this week and we get into the playoffs. And then maybe then Tomlin and their philosophy is like, okay, we're in the playoffs now. Let's get our potential future franchise quarterback. We're back in on Kenny. We want, we want him to get playoff experience. Now it's his first and then game back. We, we put him out there and then he we lose our our first playoff game that everyone's gonna be like, Oh, well, Kenny can't win anything now. It's just, why, why don't we play Mason? Like it's, it, it's kind of setting him up Bit of a bad loser, in all it? scenarios. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because at the game, we're probably going to lose anyway. We should lose to being a seven seed, but if we were to make it, um, but yeah, this is going to sound crazy. And this is the last thing we'll say before we get to the picks. And it's probably not even worth saying as a hypothetical. But I'll say it anyway, just, you know, because why not? What else do we got to do today? Yeah. Say the Steelers win the Super Bowl and Mason has this miraculous, like, he plays well. He's got a, he's starting, he's starting next year at that point. Yeah. They win the Super Bowl. Like, yeah. I think he'd have to. Yeah. I don't what know. Kind of, like, what would that contract look like, though? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> It'd crazy. have to be like a Geno Smith contract. Like, uh... But Geno Smith didn't win the Super Bowl. No, he didn't, but I'm just trying to think of the number. Like, I feel like it would have to be something. That's a good point. But it, it would depend because Mason didn't have a whole seat. Really I don't know. It would also depend if, you know, how good actually Mason was in that Super Bowl run. You know? Like, if he's putting up numbers like he did against the Bengals. And we win the Super Bowl, then yeah, that's going to be more money. But if it's kind of just like, uh, 
he's not making mistakes, but he's not winning us the game. And somehow we just, I don't, I don't even know how that would be possible, but Hey, I don't know. The AFC is way weaker than we thought. So. And like the whole thing, like, I guess I want to get back into it, but I feel like I'm equating what Mason's doing right now. Like, I don't think Mason is doing better than what Kenny would be doing if he were in here and healthy. Like, let's just say like, to make things simpler, like they're equal, like right now, I still would want to favor the guy who's like a season and a half into his NFL career as opposed to uh, what is Mason now, like a six year vet. Like if Kenny is like on that level, like he's going to, he's going to get better. And like, it's just kind of like stunning his growth, which is frustrating. But I mean, again, I'm not too mad. Like it's coming at the, like we're winning. So like, it, it it could be worse. <laughs> I, I I am obviously rooting hard for us to win it, regardless of his quarterback. Um, but I just kind of spoke from a Kenny fan perspective, and what I really think is a smarter how to run your football team and franchise, like from a broader scope. I think that's what what should really happen. But anyway, well, it's just so frustrating because. If we just would have won one of those three games that we lost in the middle there, yeah, and we would control our own destiny, and yeah, it just would have. Ugh, that's that's so frustrating. That's, so. Just, that's kind of Tomlin's mo of losing games you shouldn't and winning games you shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. All right, we'll move on here to our picks. Eventful week. We have a new leader. It's myself. I went two and one on the week. I got the Lions plus six. They should have won outright. Cardinals plus ten and a half. They did win outright. And the Panthers Jags over 38. That did not hit. Thank you, Panthers, for nothing. Jack went one and two. 49ers minus 12 and a half. That hit. They won by 17. The Bucks minus two and a half. They lost outright to the Saints. And he Faded Shreff, which can't blame him, but it didn't work out. I guess at, at, at some point, the trend had to be stopped. Uh, Shreff goes for a clean sweep. Houston minus four and a half. That was with ease. Kansas City minus seven. That was not with ease. They barely, they scratched and clawed their way to that eight point victory. And the Bills Patriots over 40 and a half. That hit. I think that was my first sweep. It might have been. I think so. It really might have. All right. So since I am now the leader, I will go first. And my pick is going to be the Packers minus three. I'm starting the seat or, or sorry, excuse me. I'm ending the season of picks the same way I began. If you recall, I picked the Packers week one against the Bears when they were underdogs and they won by almost 20 points. So I'm ending the, the season. Packers picking them against the Bears. Packers are three-point favorites this time. Both teams are playing great football at the end of the year. Um, but the reason why I'm going with the Packers is it's winning in for them. They they do control their own destiny. Chicago is eliminated. Uh, since 2019, LaFleur, which is his time as the Green Bay head coach, uh, Green Bay is 18-11 and 11 against the spread against divisional opponents which is fourth best in the league in that span. And Jordan loves just playing really, really good football. 
I mean, he's got 30 touchdowns through the air and only 11 interceptions. So I think this is when Treff and I picked the Packers to win the division. I think this is the the Jordan love we envisioned. So mm-hmm. I, I like the Packers a lot. I, I could see them winning a playoff game depending on who they get matched up with. So I think they win. And I think they cover. Jack, what do you got? This is tough. Yeah, the lines are definitely way different this week with all the potential rested starters and teams playing for something, teams not playing yeah, for something. Tricky. So it's definitely an unconventional week as it always is. Um, I'm going to take the Seahawks. Thank you for taking them so I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, were, you were helping Shreff in his yeah. addiction. Uh. This I just feel like looking at this line, it's a little bit of a Seahawks loss. We're down on them. Cardinals, big upset. We're big on them. Like I don't think I mean, the Cardinals are at home, but I, I I don't think it it should be that close. Like I I think the Seahawks, it's a must win for them. They need to win, and I think all yeah they they also need help, but whatever they need to win to get in. So I I think they're gonna win, and. Chances are it'll be more at least three, or if it's three, I'll push. So, uh, yeah, I'm good with that one for my first one. Yeah, I, I'm interested in what help they need. I forget what what who they need to um, lose, but I can check that out as as Shreff's given us his back to back. Um, I'm gonna start with I'm gonna keep the the favorites bet. That's going. Um, I'm going to take the Raiders to cover two and a half against Denver. Um, I think Denver posts this entire Russell Wilson debacle, which is like I I enjoyed hating on Russell Wilson last season. This season, I felt like he was playing pretty well, and he just happens to have like just like a bad dude as a head coach. I think is the best way to put it. Like just not like a good guy. It seems. Um, so that that team seems to be a bit in disarray. Um, they got a bit of a layup line game last week with the Chargers, who are more discombobulated than the Broncos are. Um, Raiders have been playing, you know, good football with uh, Antonio Pierce. Um, very uh, opposite teams in terms of like easy to root for versus hard to root for. Um, so this is what I want to see happen, and what I think will what will happen. So I think the Raiders win by at least a field goal. Yeah, I agree with that one. It just seems like two teams with, even though the Broncos won last week with with opposite momentum for them right now. Even and it's funny because the Raiders did lose last week too. It just it feels like the Raiders. I, I like this pick. Is what I'm trying to say. It's just because like I feel like the Broncos are in such a mess right now, and, and the Raiders, you know, they like playing for Antonio Pierce. So I I, I think the Raiders, which is bad for us, because. There's a scenario where we need the Broncos to win. I, I just I don't want to rely on that at all. So I like that. And then second one, going to get a little risky. Um, I'm going to take an underdog, uh, but it's barely an underdog. I'm going to go back to back weeks with the Texans. I'm going to take them plus one and a half uh, at Indy. Um, um, what this basically comes down to for me is the quarterback matchup is C.J. Stroud against Gardner Minshew, um, and. I think CJ Stroud will win that matchup. Uh, this is—it's going to be a great game. I think two of my 
probably two of my favorite coaches in the league already after one season. Um, so I think it'll be a fun matchup, but I it pretty much comes down to I think I think Stroud's going to be able to make more plays than Minshew is. Yeah, you uh, you stole my pick for F, so I, oh. I like that one a lot. Uh, I probably should have taken it first in hindsight. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think Houston gets in with this win here, and I, I and I'll, I'll speak more about it if if they do get in, assuming they win. But I th- I like Houston to win a playoff game. I really do. There's, oh, yeah. I, I I don't know if that's a bold take, but I I really do think that. You know, as a lot of people have, C.J. Stroud and have done a completely one complete one eighty on him. I I feel like you, it's hard not to be sold on him at this point. So, um, yeah, I I like that one a lot as well. Jack, this one's tough, but I'm gonna do it. Uh, the biggest spread of the week. I'm taking the favorite. I'm taking the Cowboys. All about it. Thirteen what is it and a half. Yeah. Gotcha. So need new tu- two touchdowns, um, but I I kind of see if it's a we talked about it briefly earlier. Like it's a they got to win if they win win division right. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have a lot to play for uh, hosting a playoff game uh, the following week, and the Cowboys. I mean it's a big spread, so it's not like. They're they're low on the Cowboys, but like the Cowboys haven't been too dominant the past couple weeks. Like they barely squeaked out that game Saturday night against the Lions. Lost a really close one to the Dolphins, um, and then didn't play well at all against the Bills week week before that. Uh, so they haven't had that dominant performance yet, which is kind of yet in a couple last couple weeks. Uh, I guess since the Eagles game, so it's tough to take them. Minus thirteen and a half, but I still think they're a, a great team. Last time they played the Commanders was on Thanksgiving, and they what was it like forty-five to ten. Um, so I, I think they'll take care of business well uh, this Sunday. And the Commanders are just bad. Like I feel like they played their best game they could and lost the, the Niners by seventeen. So like. I don't know. Niners are yeah. kind of comparable to the Cowboys, so it's and it's like Ron Rivera's like last. It's like his last day of school forever. Like he's he's so <laughs> done. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Ron Rivera should get fired at uh, four four oh one. Well, that would be twenty Sunday. minutes before the game. They have a it's a four twenty five game. <laughs> I, I stand by what I said. <laughs> uh, okay, so now Streff took my pick, and I, 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 I'm not a hundred percent certain, but I think I'm picking the other team I also picked week one. So I'm picking the same two teams I think that I picked week one. That's that's a poetic ending to our our picks for the regular season. But I'm gonna be going with the uh, the Bills. That's who I picked. Bills minus three against the Dolphins. Uh, Steelers need the Bills to lose. But uh, hopefully we're already in the playoffs by this because this is the Sunday night game. So hopefully you know, we found another way to get in. But yeah, um, two teams with opposite momentum right now. Dolphins coming off an embarrassing loss when they had everything to play for um, for a chance to clinch the one seed. And they 
got absolutely demolished by the Ravens. And uh, the Bills pretty much could not be playing better right now. I mean, Josh Allen, Josh Allen has 15 rushing touchdowns this year. Yeah. I didn't realize it was that much until today. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I just think that, uh, you know, Bills are, Bills are going to get it done. And, um, yeah, th- I feel good about three. If it was a little bit more, I'd be a little bit worried, but I, I think three points Bradley is Chubb in my book. Hurt. Bradley Chubb down for the, uh, done for the year as yes, well. Yes, exactly. Which, that's a tough scene, having it happen in a game like that. Right, and I think they were, they were already down big. It was already, the game was very much out of hand by the time it happened. Right. Okay, so my total... I'm going to just check real quick to make sure it's still the same as when I wrote wrote this down. I'll be going with the Texans Colts under 47 and a half. Divisional game late in the season, pretty much a win and in scenario. And um, yeah, I think the, the Colts have the best record to the over this year, which Kind of makes sense because their defense isn't too great, but I think the Texans are ten and six to the under, which is towards the top of the league in terms of hitting unders. And uh, I don't know. I, I just I think it'll be a, a tight game, and I just think it'll be maybe like a I don't know twenty three to twenty game, something like that. So I would have thought this maybe be like forty three, something like that. So I'll take take it as it's forty seven and a half. Yeah, I don't mind that. It's a big number. Divisional game yeah. is gonna be ugly. Yeah, I um, I wanted, I like that one because it, it's tough. Like that's one of the only games where like both teams are playing for something really truly meaningful, and like they're not resting. Like it's it's one of the only games where we're actually like I'm confident we're gonna get what we expect out of each team, you know, if you know what I mean. Like, no one's resting, guys, and they're both playing for something. Like, we got that game. Uh, Falcons-Saints. I mean, Dolphins-Bills, they're both... Well, Bills aren't in the playoffs yet, so... Right. Dolphins are in the playoffs, but they could, you know, go on the road as opposed to getting the two seed. But, and then, But it's also, like, not even, like... Like the Eagles Giants game, like are the Giants really trying that hard? Like they last week of the season, like really want to lose. Like a lot of these games, like have a team like Seahawks Cardinals, yeah, like they really the, should want to lose. Cowboys player, Commanders, Commanders should want to lose. That, I know, the, I know, I know, I know. The players don't truly care, but like I, I think it's a factor that they're less motivated. They're yeah. playing for a contract and all that. I get it, but they're less mo like. The the cow like the uh, take that game for example like the commanders guys are playing for a contract whatever their future C- cowboys are also I mean every week every single player is playing for that but also they've added motivation of we win this we're getting the playoffs so um anyway I guess I'll take the Falcon Saints over it's like an average total I think forty two. Maybe a little high, but and really like these both these teams are so up and down that like we in like so inconsistent that I wouldn't be surprised if it's like thirty one to twenty seven, but I also really wouldn't be surprised if it was like thirteen to fourteen. 
So, but I'll I'll just take the gamble on it being a little high scoring. Um because I really don't trust I don't know. I don't trust the offenses, but like for some reason I I'm even more down on both of these defenses just putting something together and stopping each other in crunch time. So uh, I'll go that over 42. Uh, what math do we need? It could be a 21 21 tie. And I push. We need a 23 to 20. That's not, I don't need, that's not much to ask for. It is when Taylor Heineke's the quarterback of one of the teams. I would say if it's Desmond Ritter. Both. Heineke could, is more gunslingery. Ritter just throws picks on the 10 yard line, I feel like, every time I see him. Yeah, he loves doing that. Um, All right, Chef. The final pick of the regular season. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna test the hot hand and take an over again. Surely it won't oh, backfire. No. Surely it won't backfire on me. Um, I'm going. I'm gonna. It's a risky one because I don't really love the totals this week. Um, I'm taking the over 37 and a half in Panthers Bucks. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna ride the wave that is Baker Mayfield. Um, put up a a real stinker this past week. Um. So I'm I'm gonna ride the roller coaster and hope that he kind of launched himself back up. Um, you know, Bucks definitely have a lot riding on this game. Panthers are very bad, which I would assume means they're not gonna be resting anyone. They're just gonna they're just gonna go try to have some fun. Um, they got blanked against the Jags. I think that was just a bad spot for them. I feel like Bryce Young has kind of improved as the years gone on, as the years gone on a little bit. Um, I feel like they'll show up for the last game of the year. Um, and it's just a very low number. So I'm kind of doing the opposite of what you did, Mitchell, with that with that high number. I'm going I'm going above the low one. You guys just can't get enough of NFC South football, I guess. Yeah, I love it. Sickos. It's my last hope as my at, like for for the Panthers after I picked them to win the division this year, which was really oh whoa, Melrose. You may yeah, be a couple seconds it. ahead. You may be a couple seconds ahead of me, real oh, quick. I'm a, I think I'm a couple of seconds ahead of Shreff, and he's a couple of seconds ahead of you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fumble. Yeah, fumbled. Okay. Well, just to recap our picks: I have the Packers minus three, I have the Bills minus three, and then the Texans Colts under forty-seven and a half. Jack has the Seahawks minus three. The Cowboys minus 13 and a half and the Falcons Saints over 42. And Shreff has the Raiders minus two and a half. The Texans plus one and a half. And the Bucks Panthers over 37 and a half. Um, only other honorable mention I had was I don't know. I just put Titans plus four and a half, but I feel like that was just kind of a wishful thinking pick. Because we need the Jags to lose. So Nothing else I felt too strongly about. And yeah, I did say yeah, how I I had the Texans as one of my picks. So. I thought I, I, the, the Seahawks really were on my mind, but I could It wouldn't have been. I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. You're a creep. I know. <laughs> sick, sick man. You better hope they don't get into the playoffs. Oh. I looked it up, though. We'll close the show on that. The, the Seahawks need... A win, obviously, uh, plus a Green Bay loss or tie. Uh, that could happen. Or a Seahawks tie plus a Green Bay loss plus a Bucks loss or tie. 
or a Seahawks tie, Green Bay loss, and a New Orleans loss or tie. So they need a Green Bay loss, essentially. Um, and they need to win. So that is the Seahawks. We'll see how they do. All right, folks, thank you so much for listening. We will catch you next week with another episode, our playoff preview. I can't believe by, by this time next week we will know when all the teams are playing um, in the first round of the playoffs. That's very exciting. Best of luck, everyone, and we will catch you next week. Bye.